This is Temple in Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Yes, welcome into Temple and Heilprin, live from Monk's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie. As usual, Jesse, hello. Hey, how's it going, Zach? It's going fantastic. Get ready to head down to Bloomington tomorrow. Batter's going to face the Hoosiers on Saturday down there for the first time since 2017. Did you go in 2017? I did not. This will be my first trip to Bloomington, so I'm checking off all the Big Ten teams. Is this the last one? No, there's one more. Uh, Maryland. Maryland. And now there's going to be four new Big Ten teams. So <laughs> just when I got close. You, you almost had them all marked off. Yep. The only one I have not been to somehow, some way, is Michigan. Hmm, amazing. So uh, I think uh, we've discussed this before. No, you need to go into it further. But uh, Wisconsin and Indiana get going 11 a.m. Saturday morning. Badgers favored by nine and a half. We'll get into picking that game and talking a little bit about it in a little bit. But there was news today from the Big Ten. They uh, have released the schedule for the 2024 season. We knew the teams where they were going to be pl- where they're going to be playing and who they were going to be playing. But now we know when they're going to be playing. And Wisconsin schedule. We knew it was going to be beast, be a beast. It is a beast. I wanted to get your initial uh, takeaways. There were a couple things that stood out to me, and maybe they stood out to you as well. So I won't, I won't take them, so that you actually have something to talk about here. But th- the first thing, obviously, that stands out is the South Dakota game. You know, coming on. No, just kidding. Uh, the uh, the Alabama. It, it is my 40th birthday, so I can't wait to spend my 40th birthday in the press box watching Wisconsin South Dakota at 11. Should, should be a, a heck of a game. Uh, but the the game the week after they will we knew this already they're going to be facing Alabama on September 14th. We all were excited, have been excited about that one for quite some time. We were wondering what it may look like after that game, though. And luckily for Wisconsin, it's a bye. And then they go to USC to open up Big Ten play. I believe it's the first time they are at the Coliseum since the 1960s. Yep, 1966. So that is, I mean, that's a, that's a tough back-to-back, but you get the buy in the in between. This schedule is, and I think we'll probably say this every year, is going to be insanely difficult. Winning the Big Ten, even getting to the conference championship, will be a feat unlike anything we've seen ever in this league. And there are some games where you think, okay, Wisconsin can pick those up, but you're not going to get very long stretches before you bump into a team that's a top 10, top 15 team. So you throw in the fact that you've got Alabama on the schedule. The good news for the Badgers is that game happens to be at Camp Randall Stadium, and this is just one of the most challenging schedules that I can remember in recent memory, certainly. Yeah, but again, that just that, that two-game stretch to start, Alabama at home at USC, two of the more story programs in, in the country ever, but I think the the little stretch after that yeah. really, really helps Wisconsin maybe get back on track if those games don't go the way that I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people think they're going to go, which is probably not in Wisconsin's favor. They go, they get Purdue at home, they go to Rutgers, and they go to Northwestern. And we know Northwestern's never an easy place to play, and, and Rutgers is a better team than maybe we have, but they have had in past years. But that feels like a three-game stretch that's very favorable, and maybe you get those are some get-right games, and maybe you're, what, Five and two, six and one, maybe. If if something happens going your way, those uh, those in that Alabama or the USC game, if you're able to split it, before heading into another tough stretch. My thought about that three game stretch with Purdue, Rutgers, and Northwestern is it darn well better be a get right series because if it isn't, my God, it's going to be a long season for the Badgers. <laughs> it is not going to get any easier because after that, to me, is the most difficult stretch of the entire season. It is, and luckily for them, though, because of how this 
calendar shapes up, there are two buys. So they're starting August 31st, which is obviously it seems like an early start. But it allow, because of that, it allows it allowed the Big Ten to build in two buys into every team's schedule. So they had that buy after the Alabama game, and then they play. Then they play what is it six six straight weeks, including home to Penn State and at Iowa. And I can just imagine the physicalness of those two games. And then after that, you get another bye before you close with Oregon at Nebraska and then home to Minnesota. I, I like the way it's broken up. I know it's not going to be easy, but I like the way it's broken up for Wisconsin, you know, just season-wise, that you kind of have these distinct uh, stretches of the year all put together, and you can kind of visualize it. Every year, whenever the bye week happens, coaches and players get asked, hey, do you like where the bye is at this week or this year? And they say, it is where it is. We don't really get choice in that. Right. But I do think you make a good point there, Zach. To have a bye that's sort of this delineation between non-conference play coming off the most massive non-conference home game you can have by playing Alabama and then go in, play your games in the Big Ten, Penn State and Iowa are going to be very big challenges. But then you get a little time to recover before you get ready for the final stretch run, which includes the all-important game for Paul Bunyan's axe in the regular season finale against Minnesota. And who knows what the implications will be in that game. So we, t- we talk all about how they're never going to play any teams from the Big Ten West ever again. Like, oh, they're never going to play the West. They're never going to play the West. Well, they get Purdue. They get Northwestern. They get Iowa. They get Nebraska. They get Minnesota. Who are they missing out on? They're missing out on Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. And is that it? Yeah, that's it, right? I think so, yeah. One, two, three, it is. four, five. All right, yeah, I can count. I can count, yeah. So they're still playing many of the same teams that they played uh, from the West. They also have added USC, and you get Penn State, and you get Oregon. But those two games being at home, again, I, I don't know what their schedules are. I don't know what their team is going to look like right. come next next year. But I'm gonna make I'm gonna put you on the spot. A little early, <laughs> little, little early prediction. No, I mean, give, give me something. People eight and be, four. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's this is an impossible discussion <laughs> to have because there's going to be players leaving as soon as the portal window yep. opens, yep, and they're gonna go get new here? guys. But. I think we always look at this and try to project because you know that, okay, this team perennially is a top-10 program. Oh, they're going to go on the road. Oh, they're going to play Penn State at home. That's great. They haven't beaten Penn State since 2011, which is five straight losses since they rarely ever get to play Penn State. But it's hard for me to see the path. Like, in most years, honestly, I feel as though most years I'm willing to go 10-2 and for Wisconsin because it's, oh, it's the West Division. Maybe they'll slip up once or there's a tough crossover game, and it's just not going to be like that anymore. You talk about how they're playing five teams next season from what is will be then the Old West. is not going to be like that every year either. There might be some years where they get three or four or something like that. So I look at Alabama, USC. I think everybody will look at these. Penn State and Oregon as the four where you go, Man, if you win one of those, you feel pretty good about yourself. But some of these other games are no gimmies. I mean, we saw what I was going to muck it up. Maybe they'll have an offense that actually averages 20 points a game next season with Brian maybe, Ferentz out maybe. there. But that's a road game in Iowa City, and there are some of these other games. So 8-4 and four feels like 9-3, and three, something like that, would be solid, although not great. It is October, uh, November 2nd. I'm going to say 12-0 and because no one's going to go. remember it whatsoever. I like right? that. Uh, uh, some other interesting things out of this schedule, conference-wise, no week one games at this point. There's, there's like usually the conference we've seen, whether it's been over in Ireland, 
no no conference games that first week. The first the first conference game doesn't come until the uh, the seventh of September. That one, uh, Michigan State and Maryland. Some of the openers for the for the new teams coming in, Oregon going to face UCLA in, the, in their opener. So that's their first Big Ten game. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, the, uh, a huge one for USC. They go to Michigan to open things up, and then they come home to face Wisconsin. That's how their, their Big Ten uh, schedule gets going. And obviously everyone had wanted to see Washington Northwestern, and uh, that's what they're going to get uh, for Washington's first game as well. So those things kind of stuck out, stood out. Also, congratulations to Minnesota. They are going back to the Rose Bowl for the first time since 1962. I knew you'd get this in there. Not the game, of course. Not the game. Not the Rose. Let's not be silly here. We're not. Gonna, they're not going to the Rose Bowl. They are going to the Rose Bowl, the stadium, the Rose Bowl, for the first time since January 1st, 1962. It'll have been 22,390 days, nearly 63 years between appearances in Pasadena for Minnesota. Please tell me you took a calculator and figured that out on your own. Of course I did. Yes. <laughs> the but, spiteful Zach. <laughs> you know, have, have you ever Googled days between calculator? Uh, they have those. No. Yeah, I, they do have those. So I just put in the dates. It does it for me. But okay. I did calculate it myself, so kind of. Uh, yes, it, it has been quite some time since Minnesota rode themselves into the uh, the Rose Bowl. And again, not for the game itself. They're just going to be playing UCLA on October 12th next year. So congratulations to them. Uh, all right, let's get into a, a few other things here. I, there were some questions I did not get to from our Twitter questions from the camp on Monday or on Sunday show, and I wanted to kind of bring it up with you. We're talking a little bit off air. One of them was, uh, did last year's offense have more offensive weapons than this year? And he, uh, Jacob went point by point and, and, and kind of thinks that there was. Position for position, in your mind, did this? Did last year's offense have better weapons than this year's offense? I can't make a blanket statement because I've got to go position by position. Quarterback, no. Okay, so you, you take Tanner Mordecai. And again, we're going to do this from the start of the year, not not at this exact moment right now, which obviously would be Braden Locke. If it was Braden Locke versus Graham Mertz? Uh, a, a redshirt junior Graham Mertz against a redshirt freshman Braden Locke. I mean, for as much maligned as Graham was, he had 19 touchdowns and a decent season last year, so I, I think I would take Mertz in that okay. situation. All right, but Tanner Mordecai. Yeah. I'm going to go quarterbacks this year. Running backs. I think I'm going to go running backs last year unless it's, and part of this is, well, if Ches and Braylon are back this year, then they're presumably better, bigger, stronger, all that. But they're in a spot now where they don't have either of those players, and they're turning to Jackson Aker, and last year the number three running back was Isaac Arendo. If you had Isaac Arendo right now, you'd feel pretty good. Yeah, Isaac hasn't really torn it up at, at Louisville. I think he's averaging about 4.2 yards per carry. He doesn't have a much bigger role there than he did at Wisconsin, maybe he's getting the ball a little bit more than than he would here. But I mean, that's a that's a fifteen twenty carry game for him on Saturday if he's still at Wisconsin. I understand his reasoning for leaving. I, I get it. But yes, I think that running back wise, just with him being their third running back, a better spot than they were this year. And I know people can talk all they want about Julius Davis and his inability to get on the field and all that good stuff. But he he has been okay at Montana State, which again, much different level. Um, I think last year, I think that one makes sense. Wide receiver. I'm going to go this year. Um, it's tough because the top three wide receivers all put up numbers last season. On the other hand, does it say something that Keontes Lewis, who was in that top three, wasn't even in the playing rotation and, and left? Yeah, I mean, it I says know, Mike I, Brown has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> according, according to the people that loved Keontes Lewis. 
I, I, I like the talent this year. Obviously, we've seen Will Pauling. It's tough because it's a completely different offense, and, and Skyler Bell's had some issues this year and put up good numbers, but they also moved him from the outside to the slot. And I, I like Bryson Green, certainly. C.J. Williams, the potential is there. And Chimray, well, he got hurt last week. The numbers may not be what they were last year, but is he a worse player now? I don't think so. So I'm going to go with the wide receivers this year. Tight ends. I think last year, honestly. I mean, they just have not gotten the productivity that they wanted out of the tight end position. And that has to hurt Phil Longo because at North Carolina, when he had three great tight ends, he utilized three great tight ends. It, it hasn't been there. And I think last year you had Clay Cundiff, obviously. You had Jack Eschenbach. Yeah. Right, right. If we're, if we're talking about when the season yep. started. And you went into this year assuming, I suppose, Clay Cundiff could potentially come back. Jack Eschenbach was here in the spring. And you're also in a spot right now where Jack Pugh isn't available, and that, I think, has had a much bigger impact than perhaps we anticipated. Yeah, and look, uh, Hayden Ritchie did not play a single snap this past week. We'll see what it is. They weren't unsure. They're playing. I mean, they were without Riley Nowakowski for an extended period. He got most of the reps the other day. Uh, it feels like, it feels like a little bit that Tucker Ashcraft's hit a little bit of a wall in terms of what he's able to contribute. I think you said it was, what was it, 15 snaps? This past week was either 14 or 15 snaps for him against Ohio State. And they are just not productive in the passing game either right now. Um, so we'll see. Uh, offensive line. Well, they had Joe Tipman last year at center. They did. Um, I, I, I like it better. I like it better. I like the group better this year. Yeah. I, I think it's close. Um, it is. I, again, I, I think they should be so much. Like, I think especially. At guard, they should be better than they are. Yeah. <laughs> and if Jake Runfro were healthy, then you Tanner Bordellini helps you at guard, right? And more that's, so. And I and we'll we'll get to overreaction or no with yeah. that because I, I I I know there are still people wondering where is Jake Renfro? Why isn't he playing? We'll we'll talk about that. So overall, you would take running back and tight end from last year and wide receiver, quarterback, and offensive line from this year. Yeah, I think that's right. But okay. what, I mean, what does that say? It's yeah, not pretty close. Yeah, not great. Yeah, not when you were expecting better at all all the spots. Um, all right, after the game, this is another question that came through on Twitter. Uh, Fickle was uh, repeatedly emphasized that guys have to step up in reference to the poor offensive performance. Do you think Luke, as well as what we heard from Phil Longo last week, are getting frustrated with poor wide receiver performances? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think they have. And, and one of the things Luke addressed in a question about whether players of the wide receivers in particular should catch some of those balls against Ohio State is the, the third down drops in particular. He said are some of the things that are giving us more angst is a word that he used. What was this? Yeah. If you touch it? If you touch it, you clutch it, which is fantastic because he said that's what he tells his nine-year-olds. People ran that the, the beginning of that quote without I, hearing they're the They're taking it out of context. Without, hearing, without uh, adding the rest of it. Yes. But, but go ahead. I have, I, of course it's a problem. And I was asked a question about this for, for the mailbag that I'm doing in The Athletic on Friday about the drop rate and the drops in general and the advanced numbers. <laughs> They're not good, which you probably <laughs> could have predicted. But I was very surprised at how not good they are. Wisconsin's got 22 drop passes this year, which is actually tops in the Big Ten, not a category you want to be number one in. And if you want to measure it by drop rate, which is a more accurate indicator since... I think I said off the air, Northwestern might throw the ball five times. Right. And Wisconsin's clearly throwing it more. They're still 14th worst in the country in drop rate, about 8.2%. So it's not it's not a good situation. And Skylar Bell's got six drops, which is tied for the Big Ten lead. That's just, it's not good enough. And his drop rate is about, 
I think 20% or something like that. It's it's just too high for someone who's going to play that many snaps. So what you're saying is uh, people that think Tyler, uh, that Skyler Bell is dropping a lot of passes uh, would be accurate. They would be. He's got four drops the last two games, at least according to Pro Football Focus. And I, I went and looked at the two drops against Ohio State. Obviously, the one we talked about quite a bit this week, the third down play up yep. the right sideline. And then later in the game, there was one down the left sideline when Wisconsin had the ball in midfield. And I understand that defensive backs are challenging you or closing in, but the ball's off your hands, and you've got a scholarship. Catch it. Catch it. Catch the ball. Yeah. Catch the ball. Uh, this this came up. Friend of show, friend, former host of show, posted a, a picture of last of last of the uh, decision to punt there after the drop by Skylar Bell uh, when it was fourth and seven, I think it was, right around midfield, and then the picture of. <laughs> At Minnesota, a few years, few years ago, where they where they were up ten to six and they punted from like the thirty seven yard line, Minnesota's thirty seven yard line. Do you have any issue with the decision to punt there against Ohio State? I because, don't because about I think it was like thirty seconds later, forty seconds later, they were back at that same spot because they broke off that long run uh, by um, Travion Henderson. I don't have an issue with it. It was it was going to be fourth and six, and I know that they're right around midfield. They're at the Ohio State forty-eight. I were you, were you confident you were going to get six yards from no. somebody? No, I, I, I get that the game. There's still eleven minutes left in the game, and it's a one possession game. The defense had been playing pretty well, so if it's fourth and one, yeah, I'd have a bigger issue with it. Even though, as we saw, they had first and goal at the one, and they couldn't punch it in. But fourth and six. When you're reeling the way that they are, they don't. Uh, Braylon Allen's been hurt. Chimray DK's been hurt. I don't have a big problem with it. I think just the issue of giving it back to an Ohio State offense while, that, while not exp- had not been great, still had the two best players on the field that they could hand the ball to or throw the ball to. And you're asking a lot of your defense. Your defense had already given you three turnovers. They had provided a stop the previous possession. It's just, uh, it's tough. They forced the punt, by the way. Wisconsin's defense yes, on the next not, possession. Yes, but not until they got back to the, like, the around midfield, right? Because they broke off the 30-yard run. They yeah. had him backed up, but it, it wasn't even that far backed up. Atticus, Atticus Bertram could have made it much, much worse. I think it was like the 14-yard line instead yeah. of, uh, you know, inside the 10, which is kind of where Wisconsin's offense had to start uh, for large stretches, which has kind of become a theme at times in uh, some of these bigger games against good defenses. Irrelevant. Uh, I don't have a problem with it. I, mean, I don't have a problem with the punt. I do have a problem with Skyler Bell not catching a pass that would have set up fourth and one as opposed to fourth and six or whatever it would have been. That decision would have been easy for me. Fourth and one from yes. there. I think Fickle goes for it. So we'll see. Uh, we're going to come back on the other side. A little overreaction or no uh, as uh, we get ready for Wisconsin and Indiana coming up on Saturday in Bloomington. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mox Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back in to Temple in Heilprin. We're at Monks in Sun Prairie. Getting ready for Wisconsin and Indiana on Saturday. I feel like I need to mention so much focus. So much focus is on the football team, and that's because it's football season, and the basketball team obviously as well. But so many other teams are doing well on campus that I feel like I need to at least mention it here, so I'm going to. I just saw 
Wisconsin's soccer team, the women's soccer team. They beat Nebraska 3-1 in the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament, now into the finals. So congratulations to them. The hockey teams both rolling. The women's hockey team, we know how good they are coming off a national championship. But the men's, all of a sudden, men's, men's team under new coach Mike Hastings has found some life. And all the way up to number five in the country, they're going to face number four, Michigan, this weekend at the Kohl Center. It's the first top five matchup at the Kohl Center since 2010. So, obviously, things are going well for them. And the volleyball team continues to, to roll as well. They took care of Purdue in four sets last night. They're still just have one loss on the year. That ridiculously good match out at Nebraska uh, last month. And so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good things going on campus for uh, the Wisconsin athletics in general. So I, ne- I felt like I needed to mention that. Um, all right, let's get into uh, some overreaction or no. With a lack of running backs available on Saturday, Jesse, will Wisconsin Wisconsin will have its first 100-yard receiver of the season against Indiana. Is that an overreaction or no? Ooh, do I have confidence that that is going to happen? <laughs> Not particularly. So, uh, no. What, what, what's my response here? That's a that's a overreaction. That's, that's an overreaction. Uh, they've been close. Maybe it happens. Maybe Jackson Aker gets the ball 22 times. Absolutely not. It's, I mean, Indi- look, Indiana is not has not stopped the run very well. Their defense in general has not stopped the run very well, or stopped teams in general. But I look, I think there's a chance. I think there's a I think there's a chance. Will Pauling has been racking up the catches. The yards were almost there. I think it was Illinois. When didn't he have like was it close to ninety? Was in it was in the nineties. I thought um, he's had one game where he was in the nineties. I don't remember exactly which one it was. I'm pretty sure it was Illinois. Um, and uh, so there there are those opportunities, right? Am I right? Ninety five. Yeah, yeah, Pauling had ninety five against Illinois. I. I Honestly, I'm most curious if Braylon doesn't play to see what are they doing at running back here. Now, we know Jackson Aker, Cade Iacomelli, presumably, will Grover Bortolotti find his way in there. <laughs> and how many touches will who get? I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, another one here. There's no way Badgers could go back to Tanner Mordecai once he's healthy. Is that an overreaction or no? I've seen some people saying, saying that in my mentions. That's an overreaction as soon as tanner mordecai is healthy he is the guy i think it kind of depends to be honest with you when does he come back i saw him i so they put out the video of wired wednesdays you know with uh brayden lock this week which was entertaining um but i also found myself looking for tanner mordecai and and looking at his hand and seeing like how it was wrapped and he still has some kind of some kind of thing on it um not a wrap per se because he was holding the ball and you know doing the little things with the ball that quarterbacks do but I don't, I don't know how far away he is. If Braden Locke comes out and has a great game on Saturday, has a, maybe he gets to play against Northwestern and plays really well too, I think it'd be tough to just go away from him and throw Tanner Mordecai back in against a good Nebraska defense or a good Minnesota defense. So I, I, I'm not going to say there's no way it happens, but I think there's a possibility there. Um, another overreaction note here. Tanner Bordellini is clearly the best center Wisconsin has on its roster. Is that an overreaction or no? This is a pretty intriguing question because I I think it's the circumstance that is putting Wisconsin in a bind, at least in part, based on how Luke Fickle answered a question this week about Jake Renfro. Um, he hasn't played in a game since 2021. He likes that Fickle likes that the offensive line has managed to stay healthy and they like to go with this. <laughs> As a center, Renfro, to me, is a better center. He was an All-American at Cincinnati, but he hasn't been that version in two years, so we don't we haven't seen him play. Um, 
We would look. This question is easy for me. It's 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 uh, not an overreaction. It, it is clearly what the case is. You're. It, I'm sorry. If he, if Jake Renfro was better, he would be playing at this point. Well, I just wonder, like, how ready is he? Like, he's I had think, he's had how many weeks to I sit know. to sit and practice? He has been cleared for more than a month now. You're telling me that if he was not better, he wouldn't be out there. People need to stop with this. I think it's just I think it's just a fact at this point. Tanner Bordellini is the best center that they have on this roster right right at this moment. At this moment. I- Look, Jack McNell Jr. has got to make the best decision for the team and whoever gives the team the, team the best chance to win. I just, it's a tough one to answer because I think you're right at this moment, but I also think overall skill set and, and winner, like Renfro showed it in 2021, but he also hasn't played, and this is a tough spot for him to come in. He showed it at Cincinnati. Right. Different league. Yes. That's what I was about to say. Um, another one here. Michigan scandal, obviously. Big Ten coaches pissed. Pissed off that the, that the conference has not done anything about Michigan at this point. I, I'm a little surprised that they're upset. Like, what do they want them to do without finishing this investigation? But that said, one coach told The Athletic, your folks at The Athletic, people think this is just advanced scouting. This was damn near espionage. Is that an overreaction or no? If it is, in fact, somebody... <laughs> who's bought tickets on both sidelines, showing up and videotaping the signs, not an overreaction at all. And I think that's part of, you want something to be done, but what can be done if you don't have all the information on on what that means? Did they specifically use it and go to the college football playoff because they knew X was going to happen in this situation? Now, the optics are pretty darn bad, but I don't know what you can do in terms of meeting out punishment right now but no this is not an overreaction this is a, a ridiculously egregious violation of of what sports are supposed to be all about and i know you can steal signs if you can read them and you're there on the field but this is a totally this is next level what they go in what they go in 2020 it was like they weren't good no they weren't they, they were, were they two and four i think jim harbaugh was well, things weren't looking very good he was on the the hottest of hot seats yes they've lost three games since then and two of them were in the college football playoff. You're not saying, you're just saying? I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, it's, I don't fault coaches for being furious. Yeah. I, I, and again, that was uh, those those were a bunch of questions that, um, you know, whether we know this to be the truth or not, the coaches are very upset about it. I assume the athletic directors, when they spoke today on that conference call, had very similar feelings about it. But it was funny. It was like once Jim... Uh, Harbaugh got off the call is when everything got ratcheted up a little bit, and I feel it. The guy that was in the article that was talking about the head coach from from Big Ten school that was that was being asked. It sounded a whole hell of a lot like Ryan Day. <laughs> <laughs> it did like he as fired up like as he was about Lou Holtz. That's what it sounded like. Just and again reading it, not having the ability to listen to him say it. It sounded a whole heck of a lot like Ryan Day. Um, all right, one more here. This year's freshman class for basketball will have a bigger impact than any freshman class as freshmen since Nigel Hayes and Bronson Koenig in 2013. Now, I'm, I'm again, they've played one exhibition game. <laughs> but that said, I had an opportunity to, to be there last night and see that game. 
And Nolan Winter and John Blackwell certainly look the part of contributors to a team that I feel like is going to have a chance to potentially, potentially compete for a top four finish in the Big Ten. Maybe even we'll see what happens with Purdue. Maybe Purdue isn't the, doesn't end up being the greatest thing, or Michigan State isn't the greatest team uh, that they're that they're being made out to, and Wisconsin's able to, to get up there just because of what they have coming back. But Nolan Winter had a near double double again. UW Stevens Point exhibition action, bunch of six five guys running around that uh, you know all about playing Division three. Um, <laughs> They're all six five. If they were six eight, they'd get a scholarship somewhere. Yes, right, it feels like it. So um, it was not necessarily the greatest test, but so impressed his Noah Winter shooting trick. He had nine points, nine rebounds. Um, he looks four from four for the from the free throw line. And then John Blackwell, both ends of the court, not afraid to stick his nose in on defense. He looks to be a, maybe a better spot-up shooter than he was in um, in high school or maybe what was thought of him uh, coming in as uh, as a player. They just they just looked apart, the and they play positions of need. They've needed a backup big. They've needed uh, an extra guard, maybe even a guy. John Blackwell was the the second guard off the bench last night behind Connor Asijan, and he may end up being, you know, the backup point if, if he's good enough to do that, you know, if they want to move, if they don't want to push Max over there, whatever it is. Those two, I think, are going to play as many minutes as any two true freshmen have consistently throughout the entire year uh, and make a big enough impact that you could say that they're the best since Hayes and Koenig. Now, you broke this all down. You went, you went position, you went class by class. There have been bigger impact freshmen right but freshman class right like connor Siegen made a huge impact by himself last year chucky hepburn was a starter from day one brad davison you know starter from game four on but overreaction or no not an overreaction i think the fact you've got two guys are going to be contributors is the difference maker here because you get a year where you've got one player but looking at this, it makes you realize how infrequent it is to have a true freshman come in and be a big-time impact player. I think the only other... So the Brad Davison-Nate Reavers year is one that I would circle just yeah. because Davison, as you said, started almost the entire season. In terms of what true freshman productivity looks like, he's darn near the top. Nate Reavers ended up becoming a starter, started 15 games that year. And then the only other year that, to me, is in got the conversation is 2020 with Johnny Davis and Stephen Crowell, but Johnny Davis came off the bench and Stephen Crowell was... Barely played. Exactly. So I think it's it's certainly a, a possibility. What I would tell you is uh, nothing will top in terms of worst class ever. <laughs> Just throw dirt on the class. 2018 with Taylor Curry, Ty Strickland, and Joe Hedstrom, none of whom became contributors. But that's what happens when Tyler Hero decides to ditch you after being committed for a year. My goodness. that is That has to be like the worst class ever. Ever. Got to be. Sorry uh, to those three, but I mean, yeah, you know, like Joe we're just looking at the proof in the pudding on the stats. Yeah, I mean, Valpo, he went to Valpo eventually and did nothing. Uh, Ty Strickland has been at, I think, he's on his third or fourth stop at this point. Uh, Taylor Curry, I've never heard of <laughs> since then. I'm sure he went to, I'm sure he went down to Divisioner. Yeah, that was just a horrible, horrible class. And kind of put them behind a little bit? Yes, definitely, definitely. And, and again, you're not, how many years are you getting out of Tyler Wall? One? Uh, excuse me, uh, Tyler Hero. One, so maybe. Two, maybe. But that was just so huge. So huge for uh, what it was. They've recovered quite nicely, though. Have they? 
in terms of in terms of recruiting. I was gonna say I was gonna say they missed. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not. They missed tournament last year. They've, ah. they've, they've missed it a couple times in recent years. <laughs> I mean, I mean in terms of bringing in guys who can contribute. Okay, they don't have a class of three guys where you go. Uh, Zero minutes, zero points yeah. out of all of them. I got you. I got you. All right. We're going to come back on the other side, talk a little Indiana and Wisconsin. We'll talk maybe with a little bit more basketball as well as we are at Monks in Sun Prairie. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Monks Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. Welcome back into Temple and Heilprin. We're at Monk's Barn Grill in Sun Prairie. We're here from 6 to 7 every Thursday. Getting ready for Wisconsin and Indiana coming up on Saturday at Bloomington for the first time since 2017. Let's talk a little Indiana, Jesse. Um, we are not, I think, again, we don't know whether Braylon Allen's going to play or not. It didn't look promising Coming off the field last week, still still in that boot. He didn't do much at practice on Sunday. We only get to talk to Luke Fickle once a week, so he doesn't do that little Thursday thing that Paul Chris used to do where he could kind of ask about some injuries. So we'll know about two hours before the game whether Braylon's playing. I'm sure your guy, uh, Pete Thamel, will, will have that uh, reported on way before that. But uh, either way, your expectations for the running backs filling in for Braylon, assuming he doesn't go. What, what are you expecting from Jackson Aker? What are you expecting from Kay Diacomelli? Perhaps Grover Bordelotti as well. <laughs> well, Jackson Aker against Rutgers, to me, is the best version of Jackson Aker that we've seen so far. If you get that out of him, I think they'll be okay. He ended up with 13 carries for 65 yards, I believe. Had a couple catches for 14 yards. He showed physicality. He's got more versatility than I think perhaps some people give him credit for because he, he can catch passes. He, uh, he's he got some physicality. Yeah, why well, he got a look on your face. People underestimate what he can do. Is that what you're saying? I think people look at him and say, like, oh, he played fullback. He's a physical guy, but he can catch some passes. I, I think of the pass that he had a few weeks ago when he caught it in the flat, lowered his shoulder, and knocked over a, a defensive back or a linebacker or something like that. Um, so, I don't know. I, I don't know in terms of carry distribution what it looks like, but if you're going to run the ball 25 times and he's your lead back, was what does he get, 15 carries and Katie Iacomelli gets 10? I don't know. It's tough to say. I'm, because spreading, things, just, I'm spreading things out. If the, weather, with the weather's supposed to, oh, I mean, it's supposed to be about 65 there. Yeah, it's going to be nice. I don't know what the wind's going to look like. I guess that'll be the biggest determining factor, but if I'm... Wisconsin. I'm, I'm. I'm not just not running the ball. I am running the ball. But if it doesn't work, I don't. I don't hate. I don't hate the things around and letting Braden Lock go to work with uh, some of these wide receivers. Give them a chance. What do you have to lose? The game. <laughs> You've already lost yeah. three. Well, I think there's you're not, a difference. You're running here for. You're in the running for the Big Ten West, which I know. Again, that's all. That's what they're talking about. They're still in position to have everything that they want. I get it. But come on. I think there's a difference between if if it's absolutely if the run game is not working, there's no sense in banging your head against the wall. I'm wondering whether they can get it to work with the per, the, the personnel that they have, and I, I, it's a it's a possibility. I mean, right? Katie Akamele, I think, is an interesting player because he can do so many different things. And when he was recruited for three positions, they actually looked at him at camp 
for running back, wide receiver, and safety. And I know in talking to him in the preseason back in August, he felt like his ability as a pass catcher could be something that separated him. I don't know how much of that we would actually see, but it is something that he can provide. He felt like on wheel routes, on some of those situations where he's matched up against a linebacker, he can get over the top and win. It's one thing to do it in practice against the twos or the threes, and another thing to do it against a Big Ten team. But he does have some ability there. We just haven't seen it. He's gotten one carry where Lathan Ransom blew up the play and dropped him for a four-yard loss. He didn't even get blocked. Yeah, ex- I know. That's not even blowing up the play. That's well, just a guy <laughs> completely blowing his assignment. And, uh, he blew he, up the play in the sense that it never got started. Yes, because his, <laughs> the guy that was supposed to block him was like, eh, nah, I'm good. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting thought. I, I'm trying to think what, who he reminds me of. and I don't think there's a great comparison, but I will say, remember, when we had him on our recruiting show. Yes. And... This was when Joe Rudolph was still there, and we you know, asked him, like, what position are you going to play? And Joe Rudolph said that he was going to play running back when he came. And he ended up, obviously, not being here. Joe Rudolph, when he came in, ended up at safety last year, and that's where he, that's where he played last year and then moved uh, with this new staff. I think running back is probably his best spot, but we haven't seen uh, enough of it. And he dealt with, you know, a little dinged up a little bit in, in fall camp. We didn't get to see him a ton in fall camp. So um, we'll see. Uh do you think Indiana's a dangerous team? Are they a dangerous team coming off what they did against Penn State, kind of taking them to the wire with some of the big plays that they were able to create, especially with Wisconsin's coming off that loss the way that they lost it to Ohio State? Dangerous? Dangerous team feels like a bit of a stretch. They're 2-6. and six. Um, Yeah, they played Penn State close, and that was a bit of an eye-opener, especially because it was a road game for Indiana. But this is also the same team that got blown out by Maryland, Michigan, lost by 17 points to Rutgers. So... I don't know. Um, I do think, though, that because we don't know the injury status of Braylon Allen and Chimre DK, that I'm looking more at how Wisconsin responds as opposed to the opponent they're facing, if that makes sense. This is just not the season that anybody at Wisconsin wanted it to be. But maybe you can take some things out of the Ohio State game more defensively, I think. But you go down there and you don't play well, I mean... We're not even going to be having a conversation about the Big Ten West race next week. One more thing real quickly here. Uh, Wisconsin, number 10 in the country in stop rate. That sounds really, really good, right? Why doesn't it feel like it? So stop rate is something that one of my colleagues, Max Olson, does at The Athletic, and it's essentially just points per drive. And Wisconsin's given up 1.47 points per drive. I think it doesn't feel like it in my mind, because they've given up so many big plays, and that's the thing you look at. Yeah, they had a lot of stops against Iowa. They also gave up an 82-yard touchdown run that contributed to costing them the game. Ohio State was able to score three touchdowns. Illinois had plays where, I mean, their quarterback went for 100 yards, their running back went for 97 yards. So I think it's a lot of those big plays that maybe overshadow the fact that they're getting off the field a lot as well. Yeah. It's interesting. It doesn't feel like it, but the metrics seem to like this Wisconsin defense much more than our eyes do. Yes. <laughs> I think that's I think that's fair to say. All right, we're going to come back on the other side and make our Week 10 picks. Jesse increased his lead after last week, but uh, I'll, try and get, I'll try and get back into things coming up here on the other side. This is Temple in Heilprin, live from Mock's Bar and Grill in Sun Prairie on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. We're back here on Temple in Heilprin at Monks in Sun Prairie. Some football coming up here 
Uh, NFL, what is it? Is it? It's Pittsburgh and Tennessee tonight. Little T.J. Watt, little Nick Herbig, little Keanu Benton. I saw at, at one point the other week they had all four of those guys, or all three of those guys, uh, and one of the other guys, their, their four-man front. It was... Uh, they like them some Wisconsin Badgers down over there in Pittsburgh. So, uh, really good defense. Their offense, woof. Very emblematic of Wisconsin. Uh, the very good defense, offense, woof. Uh, all right, let's get into our Week Ten picks here. Wisconsin going to be taking on Indiana. We'll get to that in a minute. Season record so far: Jesse now thirty twenty and four. He had a three and three week. I went two. Four two and four. So I'm now twenty four twenty six and four on the year. Not great. Not great. Um, but let's get into it. Uh, number 23, Kansas State at number 7, Texas. The Longhorns, four-point favorites in that one. K-State has found some fire here at play. Yeah, Kansas State's won three straight games, coming off a 41 nothing win against Houston. I still like Texas. They've got the one loss in the Red River rivalry, which is no longer a shootout. <laughs> but they're 7-1, and one, and uh, I think they're going to cover it. All right, well, I don't have I have a month to get back in this, so I'm going to take Kansas State. The way, that, the way that they're playing, I'm going to take Kansas State. I should make you go first <laughs> so you can't just go against me and make up six games in a week. Well, well next time you can host the show. That's true. And, uh, and, and you can do this, and you can pick the games and everything like that. Um, Oklahoma, number nine in the country, traveling to number 22, Oklahoma State. The Sooners favored by six. This is the final, what do they call this? I forget what they call, <laughs> what they call this matchup. Uh, go for it. You pick the you pick the game. I'm an, I like Oklahoma State in this one. Um, I mean, Oklahoma lost to Kansas. That makes me Bedlam. lose lose my faith a little bit in the Sooners. Um, I, I I think Oklahoma State is going to cover. I think Oklahoma State is going to cover as well. Nebraska traveling to Michigan State. The next the the rest of these four games all involve the first place teams in the Big Ten. <laughs> Big Ten West, yes. and I'm laughing because they're all three and two in the Big Ten. So, uh, not exactly a murderer's row of, of, of football teams coming up. But Nebraska is a three point favorite going to Michigan State. Here's the thing about Michigan State: the Spartans are bad. They've <laughs> lost six straight games, haven't won a Big Ten game yet. So, I think Nebraska is going to go in there and and cover, and that would be four straight wins for the Cornhuskers. So, I'm also feeling good about Nebraska as well. Illinois on the road at Minnesota. The Gophers are one-and-a-half-point favorites. And uh, Illinois, Brett Bielma, never lost to Minnesota. Well, then I think this will be the year. I think, <laughs> I think Minnesota's going to uh, to win this game and cover. I kind of like Illinois here. Okay. Well, you got to make up ground. I, I like Illinois here. I like Illinois, I believe, coming off a bye. I don't believe they played last week. Maybe they played last week. I don't think they played last week. Uh no, they didn't. Yeah, so I feel good about that. And uh, Brett owns PJ. He owns any coach that has walked the sideline for Minnesota. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going with that. I'm going with Illinois there. Uh, Iowa traveling to Northwestern. That game, uh, excuse me, not at Northwestern. It's at Wrigley Field. It's the first Wrigley Field game since 2010. Wisconsin was supposed to play there, I believe, in 2020. Obviously, that didn't happen for obvious reasons. Um, but Iowa, five-point favorites there. Five points? They scored ten points last week. Uh, Northwestern is not as bad as I thought the Wildcats were going to be. They're 4-4. Four four. I don't know if Northwestern is going to win, but I don't like Iowa at five points, so I'll go Northwestern. I'm going to take Northwestern as well. All right, Wisconsin traveling to Indiana. Badgers are 9.5-point favorites. What do you got? 
feels like a lot not knowing the status of Braylon Allen with potentially him not playing. I know Indiana's not a great team. I think they're 2-6, and six, but I think Wisconsin wins, but I'm picking Indiana to cover. What's the key? What's the key for Wisconsin to cover <laughs> for you? A fast start where they just put their foot on the throat and then pull away, kind of like the Purdue game. They have enjoyed a lot of success in the state of Indiana. I remember there was back in the day, like it was every time they went down there, they would they outscore them by like 40, uh, whether it was Purdue or Indiana. Uh, they have not lost in Bloomington since 2002. Have really, you know, they've only lost to Indiana once in the last 10 meetings or the last 11 meetings, and that was obviously the the last time they played, which was in 2020. I like. Wisconsin here. Uh, I again, I'm, I'm kind of, but I'm conflicted because I don't know what kind of Wisconsin effort you're going to get. Are they going to show up off a of, you know pretty demoralizing loss to Ohio State? Are they going to show up in what's going to be a pretty bland environment in Bloomington? And can they slow the big plays? You talked about stop rate. Well, they've also given up a ton of big plays. In Indiana, thrived on big plays last week. Can they stop a quarterback that's going to be able to run the ball? which they did not do the last time they saw one of those with Luke Altmaier. Those are, those are concerns for me. And yet I'm going to take Wisconsin because I, while nine and a half is what it is, I feel like they're going to find a way. I don't like my pick at all. But yeah. you picked, But you picked Indiana, so I have to pick Wisconsin here. Yeah, nine and a half is tough because they needed a late comeback just to beat Illinois by four on the road. Obviously, the game before that, they didn't score a touchdown for the first time in three years. I mean, they haven't beaten a team by nine and a half, you know, double digits since Rutgers, and that was almost a month ago. So it's a challenge. This one's tough. You throw in the Braylon Allen factor. Tough. Yeah. Again, I, I think they, they made some plays on defense against Ohio State. Can they create some of the same mistakes from a, a young quarterback like Indiana's can they? And he was a little dinged up towards the end of the Penn State game too. So I'm I'm interested to see exactly how healthy he is going into this one. But when I when I think of Indiana and Wisconsin, I think of Wisconsin winning in blowouts, <laughs> putting I, up seventy on them. I mean, the last time they went there with a backup, or the last time they went there with a with a spread this tight was 2012, and they just went and ran for 400 and some odd yards in that game. Uh, do I think that's going to happen on Saturday? Probably not. I feel like they had some better running backs available to them. Well, Melvin Gordon's pretty good. Monte Ball was pretty good. James White was pretty good. But we'll see how it plays out. Wisconsin in the battle for the Big Ten West, sitting at 3-2. and two. If they can get to 4-2, and two, everything's in their control. Everything's in front of them. <laughs> everything's in front of them. But we'll be back next week, talk all about it, get you ready for Wisconsin and Northwestern at Camp Randall. Thanks for listening.